Hi, it's Ian Brody here. Welcome to the More Clients podcast. With me today is Lisa Bloom. Lisa is the founder of Story Coach, and she works with entrepreneurs and business owners and helps them find their story, their success story, which gives them confidence and helps them attract clients and, of course, make more money. Welcome to the podcast, Lisa. Thank you. Great to be here. Lisa, you're a, you're a professional storyteller, so I think that makes you officially the most interesting person we've had on the podcast. <laughs> uh, but what we're going to talk um, to you about today uh, are some specific techniques that listeners can use um, if they need to write blogs or web content or make a speech, the kind of time that very many people get stuck, they don't know what to write, they don't know how to structure it. And you're going to talk about how you can use stories, techniques for using stories or story um, in order to, to free them up out of that and to help them can really connect with their potential clients and differentiate themselves. So mm-hmm. I'm going to start off, though, by, by being a little bit challenging and kind of say, well, why, why storytelling? Because I think we all, we've all heard that, oh, you've got to use stories in your speeches and your articles. But I think for many of us, it can feel a little bit soft, a little bit like, you know, well, actually, I'm a serious business. I've got no business telling stories. Uh, so what, why, yeah. why should we get into stories? Well, you know, simply, Ian, it's because they work. You know, it's like, it's because people, people remember stories. And if you think about any situation where you pass on an anecdote that you've heard before, it's because it's a story that you pass it on and that you actually remember it. Or if you think of, uh, you know, if you think of a, a, maybe a job you had or a business you were in and the leader stands up and the ones who tell stories are the ones that get people listening and actually get people following them. And the people who just talk data and talk information, nobody remembers a thing. So, you know, when we hear a story, we tend to remember it, we tend to connect through it, we tend to actually, it builds up both the credibility of the person who's telling the story, and also builds up the likability. So you actually, you know, you feel like, oh, this person's worth listening to, and it's interesting, and I'm going to actually walk away with something. So story does all that. So, you know, the most simplest level, you tell a story, people will remember you, they'll remember you as opposed to other people that they don't remember. And the chances are they'll walk away with a very clear message. And that's more than you can say for most, you know, information that gets sent out there. Mm. So, so really, there's a very hard bottom line impact to that. Absolutely. Um, even though Absolutely. the topic might, might sound a bit, a bit soft, the results are very yeah. hard, as it were. Yeah. I mean, people say to me all the time, you know, oh, so you work with children. <laughs> when I, and I'm like, no, definitely not. You know, I'm fascinated by what happens when adults hear stories because we are triggered by stories um, even more than kids. You know, we, we hear a story, and we listen, we listen immediately and we kind of zone into something. And it's something that happens without necessarily consciously realizing it. You just hear a story, you listen more deeply and you take stuff from it. So it, um, yeah, it's really, really effective, and it's a very serious business tool, actually. Yeah, I mean, as, as I'm as, as we're talking, I'm just kind of thinking of, of some of the important. You know, when I've listened to leaders before, we still, when I was um, in consulting for a firm called Gemini Consulting, we got a new chief executive in actually, who was a, a Swiss guy called Pierre Hessler, and he mm-hmm. um, he used to come round to smallish gatherings um, or or on kind of conference stage where he was speaking to large groups of people. And he did. I'm thinking now he told stories, he told jokes, he told stories. Yeah. And, and I still remember him to this day, one of the most kind of charismatic leaders. He kind of, and he came in at a very tr- tricky time for the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd, we'd gone through this period where we'd be really fast growing, but then we'd stumbled a bit and he was kind of brought in to shake things up. So it could have been very tricky because he was kind of the new guy and we yeah. were all, oh, he's different. He's not like us. Um, 
but it worked because I think, and I think the storytelling was a big element of that. But what, but what about the other side though? Because I'm thinking now also of sometimes when you hear people try to tell, tell stories and they're maybe a bit cheesy, you know, they yeah. come across as overly scripted. What, 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 what about bad stories? So, you know, a bad story really is a story that's either irrelevant or kind of made up. And so it's inauthentic. And it's very, very important if you want to tell a story that's going to work is firstly that you know who your audience is and you know how to find a story that's going to be relevant for them, make sense and actually come from a place of authenticity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, stories are not new, obviously, they've been around forever and people have been trying to uh, sell through stories by making up all kinds of stuff that they think an audience might want to hear. And that's not the kind of storytelling I'm talking about. I'm talking about storytelling that actually comes from a place that's much more authentic, that talks about real experience and meaningful uh, messages that are going to hit the audience and make them more aware of what they need, what they truly need from a from a much more kind of real place, authentic place, so that they can actually connect to their true desires through that story. Yeah. So that's kind of the difference. That's, in my mind, a good story that comes from a place that's honest, real, authentic, and is super relevant for the audience. That's a good story, whereas a bad story just comes across as being, well, what's he going on about? You know, it's like it doesn't make any difference to me. I don't need to hear this. That's the irrelevant story. You know what? I've just I've just remembered there another. You see, I guess it shows the power of how memorable stories are. I worked for a client organization once that was um, R&D organization, um, working with cancer drugs, actually. And mm-hmm. uh, they'd just taken over another company. And we were doing their medical conference, a medical marketing conference. There was a lot of R&D people, a lot of marketing people getting together. Mm-hmm. And they got just kind of off the cuff. They just introduced the new company they'd taken over. Um, and one of the drugs that company produced was for um, childhood leukemia. I think it was something like that. And, you know, really terrible illness. And... The, the the guy who ran that business kind of stood up and introduced the company and he introduced them by telling a story of a letter he'd got from one of the parents of someone who, um, who, whose, uh, whose child had had this illness mm. and who'd taken the drugs and, and it hadn't saved them because it doesn't save them. It just gave, it gave them about another few months of life for right. which to say goodbye to their child and to, you know, that. and, yeah. Honestly, the, the conference had been dominated by statistics and data about, um, yeah. you know, R&D tests and results and trials. And this guy told up and told this story about one of the patients and, mm. uh, and, and the, these hardcore R&D and marketing folks, you know, their eyes were yeah. you know, teared, but they never forgot that. And there's nothing motivate, that motivated them more to go yeah. out and sell mm. this product than knowing the results that it had given to people through that story. It was amazing. Well, exactly. I mean, the story always connects us to the human side and connects us to oftentimes to our values and to the meaning that we hold mm-hmm. behind the work we do. And so when you when you hear that kind of story, whether it's, you know, the, that kind of, I mean, that's a, a very effective type of story, but even a story that connects you to why you're doing what you do, then it does bring up all those feelings of of not only trust, but also just feeling like you're on the same page. The person is trying to sell you something or is trying to um, invite you into some kind of program or service suddenly feels like, oh, this is a real person who gets me, who understands what it is that I'm, you know, struggling with, and therefore they can support me. Okay, so let's so let's get get into it then. Let's talk about how to use storytelling. So, firstly, I guess a lot of people could be listening, thinking, you know what, I'm just a business person. I don't have a 
a rags to riches story that like you hear, mm. or I don't have a you know like, like the, the the guy in R and D story that's you know um, very emotional. Um, right. How how do you find your story like that? Well, you know, finding it's funny actually because when I begin to show people where there are stories, they suddenly come back to me and say, "Oh my God, they're everywhere!" It's ah. like how did I not notice before? But the truth is, we're all. Um, telling stories all the time. You know, you have an experience in your life and the first thing you do is you go tell somebody. It's part of kind of just human mm. nature. When you have an experience that's in some way moving or outstanding or, or difficult or challenging, the first thing we do is we go tell a mate, we go tell a, a, a partner, we go tell a friend or, you know, a parent, a child, mm. whomever. Um, and what happens is that we pass on that story and that story becomes the story that we've pretty much made up, to be honest, because only a certain percentage of it is actually fact of what happened. The rest is our opinion, right? Mm. But that kind of becomes the reality of whatever that experience was. And then we go on and tell it, and we can tell it for years and years and years. And so it's like taking a moment to look at where were the times where something, you know, you notice something and you feel something. So for me, it's always the noticing and the feeling. So it's a, a, a combination. When you feel something kind of shifts for you, that's usually where there's a story. Something happens. It's like if you think about it in any good movie, any good book, something has to happen for a story to be created, mm -hmm. right? So in life, the same thing. You know, it could be standing at a bus stop and somebody saying something that really aggravates you. There's something that's happening there. There's a conflict. And that's the core of a story. And there's a context and there's all kinds of things that are going to happen next. And then there's probably something's going to be resolved at some stage. There you go. You've got a story. <laughs> so, obviously, so, so you should be, listen, you should be li listening or, or, or well, it's observing noticing. yourself. For, for, yeah. for a, I was going to say listening to your, to your feelings in a way. And so if you get an emotion, either it could be it, – so it could be anything. It could be anger. It could be joy. It could be, you know, um, excitement. But when you yeah. feel those emotions – when you feel something that's different to what you felt a few minutes before, right. something's just happened and there's a story in there. It's okay. as simple as so that. that. That's a trick. And at that stage, what should you do? Is this, should you kind of get a notepad out and start scribbling something? Or? Well, you can do. I mean, look, when I'm going to go and sit down and whether it's a blog post I'm writing or a sales page or where, where I'm preparing to, to do some speaking event or whatever, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to think to myself, well, who is the audience and what are they, what are they interested in? What do they know? What do they need to hear? Mm -hmm. And then I think to myself, okay, this is the audience. This is what they know. This is who they are. I do as much research as I can in the audience. And then I think, well, what is it that I'm trying to affect in them? What's my intention? What am I trying to create for them? What's the outcome that I want in this particular situation? And again, the audience could be someone in front of a stage, or it could be the person who's reading a sales page, or it could be the person who's reading your weekly e-zine or whatever, you know, whoever that audience is. What do you want to affect in them? Do you want to give them hope? Do you want to make them buy? Do you want to connect, build trust? Mm -hmm. And then when you've done that and you realize, okay, this is what I want to create in this audience, then you think, okay, where have I had some kind of an experience that did the same for me? Where have I spoken to somebody who just instilled trust in me? Where have I um, been motivated by a person to just take action? You know, where have I been in a situation where I suddenly felt like, I really don't want to read this anymore. Or I do want to read this anymore. And then think about that personal experience and write it down and look, see where the story is, see what happened, see what the context was. Oh. When you use your personal experience, people, that, that's how they relate to you. Mm. Mm. It, it's interesting. I, I found I have had a lot of success when I've been writing blog posts and emails when I have been very honest 
and shared some of the things that have not gone well for me in the past. So yes. I've, I've had blog posts like my worst sales meeting ever, or um, when I've written emails and they've flopped. And I, the, it's always it's always really great when emails flop because the next time I write an email, I can write about how the previous email was such a flop. But right. the, um, the but also, you know, you can take things from any part of life. You know, I have young kids, and, and I know you have kids. And I, I, I mean, one story that came to mind was how the, one of my sons was very reluctant to ride a bicycle. It wasn't very good at balance, and he just kept saying, no, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And I was getting really kind of worried about him. You know, every kid, in my mind, every kid has to ride a bicycle, yeah. right? So he was getting older, and he was getting older. The years are going by, and he still won't ride a bicycle, and every day I'd take him out and say, you know, let's try the bike today. And he would say, no, 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 I can't do that. And then one day, out of the blue, like weeks after the last time we'd spoken about it, he said, hey, mom, I think I'm going to go ride the bike today. And I was like, oh, okay, great. And I'm kind of pushing up my sleeves, ready to go out and help him. And he literally pushed the bike out into the road and cycled off. <laughs> and I was just stunned because this is a kid who literally couldn't cycle one mm. end of the garden to the other. He, like he couldn't cycle down the driveway. And he just decided he was ready and he did it. Mm. And I real now why am I, t- why, you know, why am I telling the story? And why did I then turn that into a blog post? It was because I realized that in business, sometimes you can push and push and push and you can force something and the time is just not right. Yeah. And you got to just let go sometimes and allow it to happen in its own good time. Mm. And when you can do that, the results you're going to get are tenfold to what you can ever push out. So it sounds like here you, you can come at it from two different directions then if, 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 if we think of the context of a blog post. One is if you want to write a blog post, then you can think about what you want to achieve in your audience, what you want them to, to, to feel or do differently, and then try and search your experience for a story that relates to that. Or you can be inspired by the story at the time and think, ah, yes. there's a lesson in that. What's the yeah. lesson from a business perspective for my audience? Ah, I can write about that. So you can use, yeah. you can go at it from both directions. Um, Absolutely. And the same story could, I guess, later on, had you not written that blog post then and there, six months later, you could have, co- you could have been thinking, I want to show people sometimes you just have to let things happen in their own good time. And then maybe the, the, the bicycle story would have yeah. remembered. So it could happen either way. Absolutely. And it, and, you know, I find myself, I'm writing every week. I'm sending out easings every week and I write a story every week. And some weeks I, I've known for three days what the story is going to be because I've, I've, I've noticed it as it happened and I've mm. felt the message and I'm kind of just waiting or I just rush it out, you know, three days in advance because the story happened. And other days I'm sitting usually in the coffee shop, you know, pulling out my hair thinking, okay, what do I want to write about? What's the, you know, all this stuff. But, the story is always there, and the more you do it, and the more you notice it, the more you um, it becomes easier. So, yes. you know, for me to write out a story, it's like really, really fast. And if there isn't one in that moment, I can literally look around the coffee shop and find something that I'm going to notice that I can weave into a story. Yeah. And so it 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 beca- it's with practice it becomes great. But here's the thing: what I find is that when people begin to get used to hearing you tell stories and get connected through the stories, they stick around for much longer. Mm. Now, I have people who I'll run into it at an event and they'll say, oh, you know, I, I really like that last story of yours. And I'll say, oh, thanks. You know, and then they'll say, yeah, I've been, I've been on your list for a while. And I'd say, oh, really? Thanks so much. How long? You know, how long have you been around? And they'll say, oh, three years, two, three years. And as we know, in the world of kind of list building and entrepreneurialism, it's kind of hard to keep people around for that long. Mm. But the stories draw people in and they keep them engaged and they build up a huge amount of trust. They just make you, so, more, make you more interesting. So, yeah, you're right. There's empathy and trust. And they just also make you more interesting person, I think. 
that, uh, you know, who would you rather have a conversation with? Someone who's got, we, we all have people like that, actually, don't we? In our circle of friends, someone who's always got really interesting stories. And we're always yeah, keen to talk know, to them. You're right. But at the same time, you know, I remember when my coach years and years and years ago, she said to me, you know, if you want to build a community, you've got to write more often. At the time, mm. I was writing like a blog post once a month or something. And she said, you know, you've got to do at least once a week. And I said, oh, my God, my life's not that interesting. I actually said it to her. I remember I said, you know, my life is just not that interesting. Where am I going to find a story every week? And she just said, oh, I trust you. And the truth is, you know, the stories happen every moment. I mean, mm. several stories a day if you start noticing. Mm. And then it's just about saying, okay, what's, how do I hone in this message and who am I really talking to? Um, because the experiences, you know, we're all living and breathing and, 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 um, experiencing in every moment and we are being inspired every moment. And what happens when you notice story is that actually you begin to live more richly as well as communicate better. Well, that's it's quite interesting. Thing at all, not a bad thing at yeah. all. So, so the key here in terms of coming up with the story is be aware. Um, particularly of something uh, of feelings. If you get an emotion of, of some sort, think there's probably a story in that. Yep. Or the other way around, if you do need to write something or create something, think back to when you had those emotions and, and mm -hmm. pull out the stories from those. So those are the, the, the those are the ideas for the stories. Any tips on how we then take that idea? So let's say um, it's your case of the the bicycle story. And you noticed uh, that your son, th the timing had to be right. So you think I will write a blog post on how, um, you know, the timing has got to be right. You can't, you can't just keep pushing forever. How do you turn that idea into an interesting blog post or article? Well, here's the thing that a lot of people actually make a mistake about is that they go straight to the context and the meaning and they actually don't tell the story. Ah. And so the easiest, uh, it's actually the easiest way to do it and it's the most effective is simply to tell what happened. Right. So if you notice when I spoke to you, you probably had no idea where I was going with this because I was talking about my son mm. who's like refusing to ride a bicycle. And what's that got to do with anything? But it drew in your interest because there was a little bit of a challenge here and there was a question. There was something that needed to be resolved. There was a tension that was mm. building up. What's going to happen? And then suddenly it happens. You know, this is like regular story structure. You know, you've got some tension building up. You've got something resolved. There's a conflict. Something gets resolved. And then only at the very end, I said, you know, what it made me realize was. Mm. And then suddenly it all fits into place. But what you hadn't noticed is for the three or four minutes that I was telling beforehand, you could hear a pin drop mm. because people are drawn in. And because they don't know where it's going. That's right. So I guess so, if, if you compare that to comedy, you don't give away the punchline at the start of the story. Exactly. So you don't put in the context and you don't put in all, oh, yes, uh, you know, I was I was uh, at home with my kids and I realized uh, there was a great business lesson. It's like, you know, forget about all that. Just yeah. say, Starting you know, my kid story, wouldn't yeah. learn, this, learn to, to ride, you mm -hmm. know, and put in as much details in the moment so that they can see the garden and they can see the bicycle and they can see the child being stubborn and they can see me rolling up my sleeves. And, you know, they get a picture in their mind of this story and then they're in it and they're compelled and they're drawn in and they're waiting to hear what's going to happen. And then at the end, you unpack the meaning and mm. you connect it and contextualize it. And, you and know, because, people, I was going to say, because people know the context anyway, if you're writing a business email to them, they know there's a lesson coming anyway. So actually there's a second tension going on. They're, they're looking out and interested in the resolution of the story itself, but also at the same time, in the back of their mind, they're thinking, I wonder what this relates to. Absolutely. I wonder what business lesson is going to come out of this. Absolutely. Like, how could this possibly be relevant? Mm. You know, they're always second-guessing it as they're going along. Oh, I wonder if this is, I wonder if that's this. 
Yeah, exactly. And and that's actually the trick of great story because the audience needs to be engaged through their curiosity and through their problem solving. If you give away the end at the beginning, it's not interesting anymore. So that's the way you engage people is you get them into the experience and they're wondering what's going to happen. What does it mean? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for my business? Where's this, where is he going with this? I guess there's got to be enough. It's interesting. I've been um, reading some interviews with um, stand-up comedians um, recently. And one of the things, lo- loads of them, of course, tape their shows and stuff like that. And they, they, they were some of them were commenting on when a joke's worked and then when it hasn't worked, if they've told it a slightly different way. And one mm-hmm. of the things is if they if they give away Sometimes they'll give too much away so that it's in the mind of the, of the listener. They get it too early. They don't right. get it right at the end. On the yes. other hand, if they don't make a connect, if they don't give anything away, the people don't connect yeah. with it as they go through. There's that kind of fine line uh, of, yeah. of what you share. But, but it, but that kind of thing comes with experience, doesn't it? Just well, like it you were does, saying, the, the practice. That's what I call the crafting of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, you, I see it as being kind of three stages. So you, you discover where does the, where's the story lie? Where's the potential? Where's the experience that is story worthy, as it were? And you find that moment and then you craft it into a story that's actually going to work. That's mm-hmm. going to have enough tension in it. It's going to have a, a resolution and a context that's going to make sense to the audience. And then you actually apply it, meaning, you know, turn it into a blog post, turn it into, um, something that you would use to network or something that you would use to, to address people, depending on what you need that story for. So there's definitely a stages in the process. But the first stage, and I think that's totally accessible to everybody, is to just, you know, think to those moments that we tend to breeze over and not pay attention to where mm. something actually happens. Yeah. You know, and, and, and rather than just tell it to whomever who's around you, actually turn it into a story you can use because that's how you connect with people. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm going to, for, for those thinking, yeah, sounds good. Does it apply to me? I, I'm, I'm just going to share something about some of my early emails. When I first started email marketing, which was about, oh, six, six so years ago, um, most of my emails were very factual. It was almost as if I felt I had to stuff so much knowledge down people's throats in each email. Mm-hmm. Otherwise they wouldn't feel it was valuable. And one, one email, I just kind of ran out of ideas. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. thought, you know, I'm really struggling here. And I ended up writing a story. Um, and it was the first time I'd written a story in an email rather than kind of, you know, packing it full of, you know, seven tips on this, five ways of doing that. I mean, mm-hmm. it was actually just a really simple one about um, when my wife and I had uh, bought a house and about 70 years later, um, I, I'd w- always wanted to have a vegetable patch down the bottom of the garden, never managed to do it. It was, you know, f- too much rubbish at the bottom of the garden. And eventually, <laughs> Kathy just turned to me and said, look, you know, are you going to do this? Or are we going to do this? Um, she's pregnant at the time. And and I kind of went, oh, OK. And we had a really, really um painful, I guess, weekend of dragging all the rubbish out of the bottom of the garden, tidying up, digging, clearing stuff up. It was a lot of grinding hard work. But eventually, you know, it was cleared up and I had the vegetable patch and we've loved it ever since, the, you know, the, gosh, 20 years since. Um, mm. But, and I, I so I, and I said that, and obviously the, 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 the lesson from that was sometimes you just have to grit your teeth and get down and do something if you want to get a result. But uh, <laughs> I was really worried about sending that email out. I thought, you know, everything's been so filled with, 
detailed information so far. I don't know whether people will appreciate it, whether I, and it got the best response I've ever had from an email. I was getting people writing back saying, Oh, this is so true for me. I'm in just the same situation myself. I need to do that. Or I've been through that. So that thing you said right at the start about people empathizing. Yeah. I think that story built a lot of empathy. It also built a lot of weird stuff as well. I mean, pe- people hadn't realized I was as old as I am. So by just by telling the dates of, of the story, they right. kind of went, oh, this guy's got more experience than we thought. Just simple stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, one of the back. things I notice, Ian, is it, like when I get out from, you know, behind the computer and go meet people mm. in the fields, whether it's at a conference or whether it's at, you know, whatever events or whatever, oftentimes people say to me, like the most common comment I get is people say, oh my God, you're so real. Like this is, you're just like your stories right. or, you know, and to me that's the greatest compliment because in a sense the, the my brand is all about just showing up and being real, you know. But what I find is that exactly what you said, you know, people relate to you as a person and then suddenly they see you differently mm. and they see, you know, so it's not just about your great successes and how you've, you know, made X amount in such and such a time, but it's actually you're a real person who struggles with stuff and who procrastinates and who maybe, you know, doesn't get to do the things that you want to do and has failures. And so it feels like, oh, God, you know, if he's been through that, then he gets where I'm at and he can really help me. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's worth gold in business to have I, that kind I, of connection. I think that's really important because it do, I think it is easy to look at other people in your field and see that they're telling these stories of how they became a millionaire overnight or whatever it is. And yeah. to think, oh, I, I don't have that story and everyone must be attracted to that because everyone wants to become a millionaire overnight. But I think the truth is there's a very small percentage of the market really believes that's true. Mm-hmm. And the rest of us are sitting there thinking, yeah, well, that sounds great, but it won't work for me. That won't exactly. work for me. It, 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 I'm not like that. I can't make that happen. And if you tell your genuine story of the struggles mm-hmm. you've overcome and, you know, and, and, and share your failures as well as your successes, people will realize, well, okay, so that person sounds just like me. They've had similar, yeah. they feel the same way I do. They have the same problems I do, yet they've managed to achieve something. Maybe I yeah. can too. Maybe I can too. I think it gives people more confidence to know that a real human being has done something rather yeah. than some mythical figure. Yeah. I guess that happens, you know, if you think of the, the films as well and, 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 and books, the, 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 the hero is always flawed. There's yeah. never, we don't, you know, it, it's the reason I guess Batman is more popular than Superman really is that Superman's too perfect. Mm. You know, we don't, yeah. nobody believes it could be a Superman. Um, but people think, you know, maybe I could be Batman because it got there by working hard and he had his problems and. But even, them. you know, even Superman is this like nerdy guy when he's not behind in the his... scenes. Yeah. And he's got kryptonite as well, I guess. So he says yeah, he has a weakness. So, there's always something. But yeah, I mean, I, I also like, I found because I came out of corporate as well that when I was in this corporate role, I had to be, you know, I really felt there was this persona that I needed to be. And and that hit me particularly once I started having kids and felt like, you know, I was seen differently. And you know, I remember going into a, a boardroom meeting and pulling out a, a notebook with this spiral spine on it. And at the very end of the spiral spine was this tiny baby sock. <laughs> it, was, it was like just after I'd had one of my kids. And I remember seeing it and like having this huge smile. And I look up and I see everybody around the boardroom kind of avert their eyes and look away and nobody smiled. Oh. And I just thought to myself, oh, God, you know, I just I can't be that person here. I need to be the professional Lisa who doesn't have a life, you know. And I think that was one of the moments where I thought I'm not going to be doing this forever. 
And now when I talk about, you know, I talk about my kids or I talk about, you know, the balancing and juggling of life as we all do. Um, it's like, that's part of who I am and that's how I show up. And that's what connects people to me because I'm no different to anybody else. Mm. And I'm just, you know, I'm just getting on with what we're all trying to do is, yeah. you know, make a living, make a life, you know. And of course there will be people like the, like those corporate types who will kind of look at that. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm not interested in, in a children. I'm not interested in, in that. Like that's not for me, et cetera. But they would not make great clients. You know, you're almost repelling the, by, by telling your stories as well. You're repelling, you're attracting the people who are like you and who empathize with yeah. you, are repelling the people yeah. who you would hate working with anyway. It, you're so right. And, and you know, that's actually kind of leads me to something that I wanted to share, which is that, you know, before I discovered the power of story, I think every time I went to talk to a potential client, whether it was a corporate client or an online client, I think part of my thinking was, you know, what do I need to do and who do I need to be in order to connect with this person so that they'll hire me? I think that was really mm -hmm. my thinking. It was very stressful and it was kind of like reinventing the wheel every time I faced a new client. And when I discovered my story and the whole power of story, what that enabled me to do was to just show up and to be completely calm with the power of, you know, connecting through story, knowing that if there wasn't a connection, then anything I would have said wouldn't have made any difference anyway. But if the story meets and it lands well and it resonates, then the you know the chances are they're actually going to they're going to hire me and that's been so true so it takes entirely takes the stress out of of that kind of pitching and and trying to sell trying to market yourself it takes the stress out of it completely because everybody actually quite likes to tell their story at the end of the day when they find the way to do it that feels empowering mm. final question for you then lisa because we've been through so far how to how to figure out what the right stories are and how to almost collect the stories. And we've, mm -hmm. we've been through how to tell the stories, which is fairly simple. You tell the story rather than try and, you know, preempt the punchline, etc. What, what about client stories? Because we've talked about our own personal stories here, but I guess mm -hmm. another way of connecting, if you're in a service business, for example, and you've got lots of clients is to also be able to tell their story. Um, so how, how does, how does that work? What's your, what's your experience of that? Well, again, it's first looking at what's going to be relevant to the person that you're telling the story to first in, in terms of finding the right story and then sharing. And, you know, oftentimes for the sake of, you know, you're not going to necessarily share details or names, mm. but certainly focusing on what, you know, the, the transformation was, focusing on what the challenge was and what the resolution was in the story. And again, telling it with as many details as you can. People seem to think that if you tell something in an abstract way, people are going to get a general idea. And the truth is that if you tell something abstract, what happens is that people don't connect and they don't feel like it's real. Mm. So you need to go into actual details. And in essence, what you did when you spoke about the, you know, the companies you worked with and you talked about the names and the place and what happened mm. and, you know, and those details make all the difference because it brings it alive. Mm. So you can definitely use stories of your experience that aren't personal but they're your your, your clients or your kind of testimonial stories for mm -hmm. sure they're very very important and the key is to go as detailed as possible absolutely um, and don't worry that you know if you go into a detail that people might think well that doesn't apply to me because the exact same detail isn't true in my case people will genericize themselves and apply that situation to themselves uh, exactly. whereas if you you try and genericize it yourself it'll be too bland Exactly, exactly. People, when you, when you hear a specific detail, it connects to a feeling. This is how it actually works, Ian, which is that if you tell a specific story that's got, you know, a, it's very specifically timed and 
place rooted, then a person gets what was going on there in terms of the emotional shift, in terms of the intellectual shift, whatever's happening there, they get it and they can relate it to their own experience. If you make it too general, they don't quite get what that experience meant to the person. And that's what connects you is when you understand what it meant. You know, if you're right. talking a story of somebody who's gone through an absolute transformation in their business, going from not being able to afford to put food on the table to being able to be really relaxed and work their own schedule whenever they felt like it and go into the details of how that happened. Well, that may not be your exact challenge, but you can feel how that feels. Mm-hmm. We all understand that. We understand that feeling and it goes back to our own experience. It's relevant. Excellent. So, so. It's that specificity that allows people to connect with it. Fantastic. And you'd be you'd be amazed how many people don't realize that, and they tell general stuff that just doesn't hit, it doesn't land, and yeah. it just feels like, oh, you know, what's he going on about? That's not interesting. Okay. So the secret is in the details. Brilliant. Lisa, thank you so much. Um, I'm sure everyone can take away from this stuff they can use immediately about finding the stories, constructing them, and, and getting into the detail as being the key. Um if people want to go a bit further and find out more about you and, and, and how to tell their story in better ways, where, where should they go? Well, my, my website is story-coach.com. But I also um, I have this report that I'd love for people to get their hands on. And it's about strategies for building confidence and credibility and attracting clients through story. And that's at the site businessstorymastery.com forward slash bsm dash report it's a little long so i think it's going to be on the page somewhere but that's <laughs> businessstorymastery.com forward slash bsm dash report brilliant so bsm standing for business story mastery dash exactly. report bsm dash report brilliant thank you so much again lisa it's been a real pleasure i'm going off now to think about some more stories and uh, i'll speak <laughs> to you soon cheers thanks ian <laughs>